0: Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast.
1: Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards. Hope you are well. And if you missed any of our midweek roundup, don't forget to subscribe and download the podcast. You'll hear our thoughts on all the action packed midweek action. Joining us this week, we have got um, a very special guest. Rob can't make it this week. So we've got another BBC Surrey correspondent instead, uh, but he follows Woking. It is Mark Francis. Hiya, Mark. Hi, Luke. You're right. right? I'm very well. Thanks for joining us. And uh, also joining us is Dickie. Hiya, Dickie.
2: Good afternoon. Nice to speak to you both.
1: We'll start off, obviously, at the top of the National League. And, and currently, it is Tarkey up there. And they've been... Uh, They've been fantastic so far, Torquay, haven't
2: they? Yeah, it was a good win. And yeah, I, you did think the coach might have been bouncing along the M6, you know, uh, based on the result and how well they're going at the moment. But no, I don't know if it, that might have just been a suspension problem. No, I think Torquay have started the season fantastically well. I know I don't think any of us in our pre-season predictions tipped <clears throat> Torquay to be where they are. I think they are lead something like five points at the moment, although they've they've played a, a game or so more than the teams below them. But yeah, um, yeah, the only unfortunate thing last night was that they didn't pull over into the motorway services, otherwise they'd have been pulling in right behind them and getting an interview with Gary Johnson for today's podcast.
1: Uh, Gary Johnson did say that uh, it wasn't a prettiest performance, but not many teams will win at Halifax this season, although it is only one win at home, or one win in general for Halifax, only one win at home, To so maybe not as a, a difficult place to go as it has been in previous seasons. And and are really really setting the standard, aren't they, Mark?
0: Yeah, they really are. They came up a couple of years ago with Woking, and it's interesting to see that this season, first and third of the um, places they currently occupy. They had that amazing clash, of course, in the FA Cup not too long ago with, with Crawley, uh, one of our other local sides as well. And that was two and a half hours of football. And I remember speaking to uh, former working commentator Gary Smith, now who does Crawley, just said what an outstanding game of football it was and what a credit talker United are to the National League. Seven wins from nine and, and just the one defeat so far. They had that excellent result at, at Hartlepool not too long ago. And they're certainly a side to fear going forward. Uh, Dickie mentioned that five-point gap they do have at the top. They have played a game more, as he rightfully says, uh, against Sutton. And there has got a small break on the others as well. Woking third, Wilston fourth, I think Maidenhead fifth. They've all played ten. So they've got a healthy gap towards the top of the table. And Gary Johnson, who's got good experience in League Two, of course, his mission has been to get Torquay not obviously only out of uh, National League South, but into at The football league, and they've got an excellent team. See, Danny Wright is um, going all guns blazing at the minute with many goals this season so far. They've got a couple of ex-Woking recruits in there with Marnie Little midfielder. I don't think he can even really get in the team at the minute, but uh, it just goes to show their their strength and their quality and depth, really. And uh, yeah, they certainly are a side that I certainly don't want to face anytime soon.
1: Yeah, well, hot on the heels of Tarkey at the end, there's there's four teams on at seventeen points in second place, currently occupying seconder are Sutton on goal difference and I don't know if you saw the game Mark but what a cracking game against Wheelstone it was 2 nil up after 11 minutes Sutton and, and it should have been about 8-0 up but Wheelstone fought back then a crazy goal at the end from Jacob Mendy and Craig Eastman in stoppage time and it was 3 all. end end-to-end stuff and what a brilliant game
0: yeah a really good advert for for the non-league um, I didn't watch the game myself. I dipped in and out of it, just getting home from the waking one. I did see that Sutton were in a, a two-gold lead about, I think, about half an hour into it. And then I was jumping in between Premier League games. Um, and then I flicked it on a bit later until the, the full-time was 3-0. And I was thinking, Christ, what a great game of football that was. And I think, obviously, Wilston were, were 3-2 up in that game. So credit to both sides for putting on such a great show. Of course, Wilston coming up um, just goes to show that the teams that do come up from the uh, National League North and National League South aren't to be uh, dismissed or shouldn't be obvious obby- Relegation favourites in any rights, really. Uh, Wogan had such a great result against Woodson in the playoffs and their promotion campaign. Wilston were, were two up in that game uh, two years ago Woking came through three-two winners but Wilston, you know any club that year could have come up thankfully they did get promoted 12 months later and are doing really well it must be said to be sitting in the playoffs um, early on taking Sutton all the way Sutton of course no slouch have been at this level for, for a little while now uh, had a bad day at, at Gander Green Lane <laughs> back on New Year's Day when they thumped Woking by six goals to one uh, I think many Woking players must have clearly been hung over from the night before because that was an absolute disaster but uh, a great show from both those clubs and uh, a really, really good game. Good point for both. Yeah, well, Alan Dowson might be hungover this morning because what a great week. It's been
1: for Woken and it's partly why we got you on. We talked about the the 5-1 um, the win down at Dover in midweek, although you did have some help because Dover uh, had a man sent off but then a cracking win on Saturday against Barnet. And even though Woking was turning up, they were reduced to 10 men. Uh, I will not say pretty early on, but he still to play quite a chunk of the game with 10 men, but ran out comfortable 4-1 winners. Just tell us what happened.
0: So, yeah, three games for Woken in the space of a week. Um, three of those clubs um, currently sitting in the bottom four. So, on paper, there should be games that Woken are winning. But, you know, the table is very much a, a false statement at the moment with different clubs playing different amounts of games. And you mentioned your predictions there. I can hardly imagine that the likes of Barnet, Dover and Yobel would have been towards the bottom as well. And, and particularly Dover and, and, um, and Barnet have been clubs that Woken have really struggled, struggled against in the past. Um, talking on Tuesday... Tuesday night at Crabble prior to Woking's win last season which was a late 2-1 win they hadn't won there in the last five outings so it's never really been a happy hunting ground for Woking uh, and they were behind early on after three minutes thanks to Stephen Riggs goal uh, for the home side but uh, Woking have conceded goals very much early on in games or late in games sort of in the middle they seem to come themselves but they uh, they sometimes start slowly and finish the game poorly but uh, that was the same on, on Tuesday night but they did hit back with a, a brace of or a hat-trick of headers it was in the first half came Fernand getting two of those and Josh Davison, who's been a magnificent signing for, for Alan Dowson on his side, it must be said, took them into a, a 3-1 lead at the break. And they're very much kicked on uh, from there. Uh, you mentioned the red card to Dover. Woken were very much in control of the game uh, at that point anyway. And they stretched their lead to, to five goals to one in the end. Dover looked really, really poor, it must be said. Uh, speaking to some of their media team before the game, they just couldn't defend set-pieces. And I was thinking, you know, we might get a few good set-pieces ourselves into the box. We've got good players that are, are good in the air, and we do score goals from set-pieces, it must be said. And and that was clear to see, really. Dover really, really struggled, and I do fear for them this season. Um uh, you know, Yeovil and Saturday, I think, were a good enough side to stay up. And there's a long way to go in this league. Of course there is. But uh, I was very disappointed with Dover, as I said. Woken have had many darker days there. And speaking of Barnet, yesterday, I'm only 24 years of age and Woken have never beaten Barnett at home in my lifetime. Um, so it just goes to show that these bogey clubs have all come up at the same time for Alan Delson. but they have got through them with, a, with an excellent 4-1 win yesterday. Um, they started the game really, really well. It must be said, that man, came, Ferdinand, who bagged two goals at Dover, scored another one uh, in the early stages of the game yesterday. An excellent shot outside the box from a quickly taken free kick. That's something Alan Dalton commented on as
1: well, Mark. He said haven't started games well and he was really pleased with how they started in, in, in that sense. He
0: started really fast. Yeah, the response was outstanding, really. Um, I, I don't know why, you know... You get out of the tunnel, you get onto the pitch, how you can start so slowly, particularly for a part-time team, meaning they don't train that often. They should be raring to go. But uh, the response was really good. The the second goal, probably a, a slight bit of fort- misfortune for Barnett, uh, with it being an own goal. Uh, but that crucial moment, as you mentioned, half an hour into the game, that red card for Charlie Cooper, unnecessary couple of fouls in the space of roughly about 30 seconds really two yellow cards and he was off very unlike Charlie Cooper who's probably been Woking's best player this season of course there are three three players on five goals but Charlie Cooper's performances have been outstanding uh, for Alan Dawson. Uh, but he was sent off 15 minutes before halftime were crucial for Woking to make sure they didn't concede before the break and they didn't Barnett were all over him it must be said I spoke to the manager after the game he said when his players came into the dressing room, he couldn't believe their heads were down. They were leading the game 2-0. He was saying, you know, just relax. We're playing well. We're in control of this game. Let's go get our three points. And Woking came out in the second half and just utterly dominated. You would not have noticed it was 11 against 10. Uh, a great goal from Max Kretschmar, um, similar to the kane Fernand goal, except with his left foot. Uh, put Woking three goals to the good. And uh, then a fourth goal, the first of the season for Dave Tarpe against his former club, of course. So uh, it was it was a great day for Woking. They did concede a penalty in the final few minutes, which was a shame for for Craig Ross and his defenders who had defended so well, not to keep that clean sheet. No clean sheet since October in the league. But you know that was sort of picking things out the uh, out the end of the game. The most important thing was that Woking have got three points on a day, seven in the last seven days, and they've scored nine goals on the loss. Two games, so uh, they've certainly sorted of the goal difference out. But uh, really good time to be a Woken fan and a Woken follower at the moment. They've got a short break next week, but uh, after ten games with seventeen points being the return, it's a it's a great time for the club.
1: What do you make of Barnet? Um, I was reading the Twitter responses there, and some of them blame Peter Beadle. Some don't. Some say he's, he's been dealt a rough hand with his budget, and it's more down to the chairman. And they had a really good result in the FA Cup against Burton, but they've not really, It's not really happened for him this week. They lost at yeah. home at King's on Tuesday and then obviously lost against 10 men for an hour and they lost 4-1 in the end so it wasn't. No no so
0: the thing is Luke when when you play a team with 10 men it's, it's harder to know if it's easy with the man advantage or harder because that team with the, with the man less will probably sit back they had to score before half-time Barnett and if they had maybe the result would have been completely different but I was very disappointed with them in the second half I thought they'd all come out 45 minutes to try and break Woking down as I mentioned if they got one May they, they maybe would have got something from the game, maybe even all three points themselves. But uh, I thought they really lacked going forward. They've conceded a lot of goals this year, similar in the case really with with, with Dover. Um, we talk about budgets and, of course, it's a difficult year for all the clubs. Woken have got one of the lowest budgets in the league, but their, their transfer business has been tremendous. Um, I do fear for them. As I say, it wasn't good at the back for Barnett yesterday, it must be said. They've got experienced players in there. Uh, both at the back and going forward, um, just two wins from eight. You know, losing to Kinsland and and getting thumped really by Ten Man Woking. I think many Barnet fans will, will feel very disappointed. Um, you mentioned the Twitter responses. I had an eye on them myself, and you know, it's it's clear the fans aren't happy with something. And uh, it's early stages of the season, but sooner or later things need to change at the Hives.
1: Yeah, and the same with Dover as well. They lost again, only six points. Andy Hessenthaler got a red card, and it was it was. Lead for a majority of it, but he said you gave away bad goals and say you saw him on Tuesday. and Is it a side that is going down? It,
0: it's, it's tough. I don't want to be too tough on Dover. They've got the worst defence in the league and it's just not something to associate not only with Dover, but uh, an Andy Hessenthaler side. I think he's a good manager, but you've got to look that results aren't going their way. They really aren't. Um, and they just can't stop conceding goals. And they're silly goals, particularly the, the five I saw the other night at, 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 against Woking. Um, Alan Dowson was saying that, you know, the scoreline probably flattered Woking. I don't think it did. I thought every time that Woking put the ball in the box, Dover looked uncomfortable. And that's why they scored the five goals that they did. Any ball in the box, they just couldn't deal with it. And, you know, an experienced defender, like, say, de Havilland, just was nowhere near his his, um, striker partner or opposite striker, I should say, Josh Davison, who just found all sorts of space. Every Woking player was finding all sorts of uh, space on Tuesday night. And that's why they scored the goals they did. So I do really fear for Dover. Um, this league can provide up a few surprises. You know, last year seeing AFC Fylde go down was a bit of a surprise for me. Um, I know they had a bad season. And when you look through all the games, the teams that go down deserve to go down. Um, but they can throw up some surprises. And, you know, at this stage of the season, Barnett, Chesterfield, Dover and Yeovil were down there. I do think Yeovil will get out of it. I do think they've got enough quality to, to eventually sort themselves out. Of course, clubs can make some signings. But for Dover and Barnett, of course, Woking's last two games they haven't offered a lot at all, Luke. And uh, for the fans out there, are rightfully worried. Um, things need to change soon. It's interesting. Like you say, Andy Hessenthal is such a good manager, and
1: he's got his hands tied. I mean, what did Dover do? Did he stick our twist? I mean, did he bring in fresh
0: blood? There is not a lot they can do, and he have got to stick with Hessenthaler? Good question. Um, of course, budget for for the teams, both teams just named, is is difficult. They can't just bring in a load of players and that will that will fix them. The players they've got are good enough to compete in this league, but clearly something isn't gelling. Um, Andy Hesenthal has been in this situation before. He's experienced. He knows the club well. Both clubs, Barnett and Dover, are just really lacking. There's two things you need in this league. Luke. You need a, a decent goalkeeper and you need a 30-goal striker. And Dover have been relying on a young Arsenal loanee, who made some very strange decisions that's put on Tuesday night in goal, you know, coming out 30 yards of his box to try and save a chance outside his box should have been sent off. Wasn't he got lofted a couple of times and then fouled his man came firm. And I think he lofted him, um, could have been a penalty was a free kick, which Woken scored from, um, You need a big presence at the back and uh, the teams at the top currently have that right now. You know, take Woken, for example. Craig Ross, experienced goalkeeper, nearly played a hundred times for Woken. is never dropped for any cup competition. That just goes to show the faith that Alan Dowson has for him. Um, you need a solid, solid goalkeeper. And you can't be shipping 24 goals after nine games. It's absolutely ridiculous. You've got no chance of staying in the league if you haven't got a sure defence. And the same at the other end. Mm. Dover have only scored six. Barnett have scored eight. Where are the goals going to come from? There's a real lack of creativity on both sides. And looking at yesterday, after half an hour, when Woken were down to 10, those 15 minutes were really tough for Woken, sitting on the back foot, inviting wave and wave of Barnet pressure. But did Barnet really look like scoring? They had a couple of chances before the break in the second half. I don't think Craig Ross really had a thing to do. Bar picked up the ball in the back of the net from the penalty.
1: We say judge the league table after ten games. Well, Woking have made ten games. Um, can they stay up there, or do you think it's just it's a good start and they'll drift into mid-table? Because he did this last year. He had a good start and then they drifted, didn't yeah. he drifted in and had a
0: good end to the season. Well, Woking, let's remember, are a part-time team. Um, the players have jobs in the day and they go and play fixtures Tuesday night, train Thursday, play games on Saturday. That's no excuse. Uh, but looking at last year, they had such a great start, as you mentioned, and then just slightly tailed off a bit as other clubs gained um, good fitness levels. Woking, I should say, on that front, have very good fitness levels for their, their part-time team nature. Um, 10 games played, 17 points sat third. They obviously need to wait for other teams to catch up. Some have two games in hand, some have three games in hand. Um, so naturally, they should obviously drop off a few places when, when others catch up. Um, last year, Woking finished in a very good position given... The situation, of course, just their form really dipped in, in the in the late winter and then started to pick back up again once um, football was postponed, of course. This season, it looks it looks similar. Um, Woken, I think when they played Hartlepool around this time last year, went there at the top of the table. That was a televised game. Um, the third at the minute, um, another very good start to the season. Five wins, two draws and, and three defeats, which were disappointing. Um, can they stay up there in the playoffs? There's no reason why they can't. As I say, their business has been great. You would expect the bigger clubs to be there eventually. You know, I think looking at the top two, Torquay and Sutton, I could say now that they will be there. It would take some sort of disruption, if you like, or something to go seriously wrong for them to not be there. The likes of Woking, Wilson and Maidenhead, no disrespect to them, wouldn't it, wouldn't be expected to be there. But uh, the longer they are there, the, the better for a Woking fan. But your question was, you know, can they stay there? Why not? Why not? Why can't they? They were on the fringes of the playoffs, as I say, back in March. Maybe they may have made a, le- a late um go for it. For Alan Dowson to finish mid-table or, or anything better is is exactly what they want for a season. Woken won't go down. I can happily say that now, even though they were probably in this position four years ago when they did get relegated. We'll get you back on if that happens, <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> I, I think from the end of October, they went 15 games without a win back in 2018 or whatever it was, 2017. Um But they're, they're a good side, Woking. Uh, they will lose games. They will win plenty of games. But uh, if you want a prediction from me, I think you could see them finishing about eighth or ninth. And that would be a, an almightily good season for Woking. which must be said, um, in the summer next year, they will have uh, this new investment. They will be going full-time um, with a new man on the board, John Katz. And so it goes to show there's some very exciting days ahead for uh, Woking in the near future. You said about lack of creativity, Wood. That's what Lee was
1: bemoaning. Uh, they lost 1-0 to altering a very good win for them, a late win from um, James McDonald. But surprisingly, Boreham would have only scored seven goals this year and conceded seven. So they don't concede many, but they don't score many. And Normally, not many teams last year stopped Borum Wood from scoring. But mm. I know Luke Garrard said afterwards about he might have to rip it all up and start again. And he talked about lack of creativity there, which was interesting.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. Woking. Have always struggled. It's Another club, I should say that. You know, I don't want to name every club, but Boreham Wood is notoriously a, a place where Woking really struggle. And Boreham and Wood have beaten Woking by a goal to nil this year, um, just a few weeks ago. It's interesting you say. It, I think only Halifax, uh, Halifax, Weymouth, and Dover have scored less than Boreham Wood. So it is a surprise that they are struggling down there. It's it's interesting some teams when they're the season before very much in the heart of the playoffs, and the following season if they don't go up then they're all of a sudden down there. You know, is very much a club that are, are up and down all all the time, it, it, it seems. Barnett finishing the playoffs last year. Look at their down there. Chesterfield is a club that, for the last three years, we've always thought they're going to be promoted. Boromwood, I think, will sort themselves out, but two wins is a worry from nine um, and seven goals. You know, there are some clubs down there that are really struggling for goals. Maybe look into the Football League for... For loan signs, because there are there are players there on the fringes of of teams in League One, possibly even League Two, maybe even the Championship that that need game time, need adults football, and that's where Woking have recruited really well with Josh Davison, Chalton, Loney. Five goals already for Woking, and if he had scored yesterday, it would have been not only his sixth goal but his fifth straight game that he scored for the Cards. Um, so there are players out there. As I say, it's hard for clubs with with businesses and budgets, but there are signings that can be made on loan that can very much take a club from the mix of a relegation battle in a few games to the playoffs. It's still early games, uh, for early days. You know, there are, there are clubs just outside the playoffs. I think there's eight teams either on 13 or 14 points. Um, so things can change very quickly. And Boreham would, seven goals scored, seven was conceded. Mm. Clearly need to, to get someone that's going to get them in the back of the net.
1: Yeah, and Boreham would have used the long market well in the past as well. So you, you think Luke Garrod might dip into that.
2: Yeah, the other um, thing about that um, win for Kings Lynn over Dover yesterday, that's a second win in, in a week for, for Kings Lynn, having won 3-2 at Chestfield in midweek, a, a result that ultimately did for, for John Pemberton as manager of the Spy Rights. Um, but perhaps a signal that Kings Lynn are, are starting to find their feet a bit more in this division now, a second consecutive win. I think that's boosted them up to something a bit like a, Up to 12th table position,
1: yeah. They're Uh, up to 12th with that, and Oxford Gamer up to 14th.
2: Yeah, I think having had a couple of thumpings in early season, um. You know, you do have a, a few concerns when you see, you know, a newly promoted club taking a, a couple of big defeats like that because you wonder how they're going to respond. But yeah, you know, t- two wins in a week—a two-nil win away at Barnet in midweek, and then a two-nil at home to Dover yesterday. Goals from Rory McCauley and Adam Marriott, and um, yeah, things look a bit brighter for Kings Lynn on on that basis. And and you know, we didn't tip them to go down, although I did think that. You know, if if Marriott didn't fire, that perhaps that that's where the trouble might come. But they're looking okay at the moment, and the same for Ulsteringham. Yesterday, you mentioned their win um, at, at Boreham Wood and Jamie McDonald getting a, a a very late winner. But yeah, they look like they're finding their feet as well. And um, you know, kind of we felt well, I certainly felt that they would. But um, saying that a team will will and them actually doing it can sometimes be completely two completely different things. So no, it's really good to see. I mean, it's it's helped. For the league, that you know, the teams that get promoted actually come in and, you know, hold their own because it, it, you know nobody wants a situation where you know clubs are getting promoted and and are almost immediately sort of like being viewed as relegation candidates or are just going to have to, you know, be be scrubbing around at the bottom of the league just trying to stay there. It, it, it's a, it's a, you know, it's clearly not good for the teams that are down at the bottom. You know, we've barred it down towards them. We spoke about. Peter Beadle's appointment there and, and, and I know I certainly had a view on that that, that uh, it was a bit of a puzzling one but yeah for for every winner there's a loser and yeah for for those teams that are down at the bottom um, it's not great but for those teams that have come up you know it's looking quite rosy at the moment.
1: We'll we'll move on now and look at Rex some big news for them as we mentioned on Tuesday in our midweek podcast they got a good win at Hartlepool and then I saw them yesterday beat Aldershot by a goal to nil in, in what wasn't the best game it was fair to say a scrappy game, uh, Wrexham had a couple of good early chances saved by Brad James Aldershot didn't show us an attacking force at all in the first half, they were much better second half Rob Layton made a couple of saves but in between that, the game was a bit messy a uh, really fussy referee in charge as well and uh, ultimately it was a one goal a uh, really good try from Luke Young which decided the game and I caught up with him after the match. So I'm here with Luke Young and Luke, ultimately your goal decided it?
3: Yeah, no, like I say it's always nice to get a go and obviously even more delighted for it to be the winning goal, like yeah. But um, like I say, it doesn't take it take away the fact how how much the lads put in, how much effort the lads put in. We grafted, we dug in, we built on Tuesday night, and thankfully we got over the line with the win and another clean sheet.
1: Yeah, just did the manager say then after two week break, you, you had almost a reset, didn't you? Going back to
3: basics, a one nil wreck soon, haven't you? Certainly, last two games. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, it's always hard coming back after I think it was three weeks since our last competitive game, and to put on performance like we did. It, it got us back up and running again and kind of got us back in the mood for, for playing games, working hard, winning games. And we've backed up obviously with two, two 1 The wins and clean sheets.
1: Great strike. There wasn't a lot in it. Uh, you had a chance in the first half. There wasn't a lot in it second half, was it? But then when it came to on the
3: edge of the area, you, you drilled it in? Yeah, no, it was obviously just, when I got set back, obviously, I just thought, kind of get a good contact on it. And uh, thankfully, it was enough to kind of. Skip off the surface and land in the bottom corner, but like you say, it's it's always nice to get the goal. But it, it, it's a team effort, a team performance and it's it's something obviously for us all to build on now going into another big game Tuesday.
1: I said, do you feel as though you've underachieved so far this season?
3: Um, uh, yeah, we might have got off to we might have got off to a bit of an indifferent start, and obviously mm-hmm. we had that little bit of um, sticky period. Obviously losing losing a couple of games on the bounce, like but like you say it's we had a chance to regroup and obviously the nil-nil we had against Barnett here before obviously the the break that we had was a stepping stone after conceding I think it was eight goals in the last two games so we went back to basics back to hard work and it, it, it's showing and uh, obviously the news we all know what's happening are the players excited by it or do you try to not focus on that obviously yeah if everybody reads it like you can't you can't turn around and say that we don't know what's going on but it doesn't necessarily affect what we do on the pitch. It's obviously it's it's big for the club, it's big for us obviously as players as well with obviously the, the, the nature of who's took over the club but it's for us not getting caught up in the headlights with what's going on and doing what we can only control which is on the pitch and what happens off the pitch is obviously out of our control.
1: It must be an R though because you must have seen all his films and you're like, wow, he's going to be our boss effectively.
3: Yeah, no, like you say, it's... It's one of them, like, it, 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 well-known worldwide, and it's shown obviously over social media and the the obviously the merchandise that are being sold at the club, and just the whole the whole place is going to hopefully get a big lift, which which, which maybe it, it, it's what it's needed and, and take obviously the club to the that next step, which everybody wants to achieve, and that's and that's promotion. I think it's only going to bed well whether whether we obviously achieve what we want to achieve this year is obviously is to be seen, which hopefully we can, but. It's a stepping stone for the future and something that obviously everybody wants to look forward to and it would be nice to be part of. Real Cheers, Luke. Best of luck.
1: And that was Luke Young. And uh, that one puts Wrexham up into 11th place around the same points as Kings Lynn 13, and only a point off the playoffs. And exciting times ahead for Wrexham, as we mentioned. And I spoke to long-serving Secretary there, Grant Parry, who's seen a lot in his time, it's fair to say. So I'm here with a man who's seen a lot over the last, uh, well, how many years? Is it 35, Geraint?
4: It probably is something like that, (laughs) eh? to count them all, yes, absolutely. But uh, yeah, unusual times, I mean, the Covid situation, Mm. no no fans in football, that's a weird situation for all of us, isn't it? And We we want to see the back of that as soon as possible. And then out of the blue comes a situation where somebody says, oh, by the way, there's a couple of A-listers from Hollywood want to take you over. And you just like... Is, is, is this a wind-up? Is it a yeah. wind-up, yeah. Is it going to be like a... And then it isn't. But even then, as it pushes on, it's like, you know, is this a Hollywood movie? Mm. <laughs> you know, something we're going to wake up from and the end will come up on the screen and we're just back to normal. Um, yeah, and, and they're two guys. I, I've not met them. Um, our directors have, have done Zoom meetings with them, mm. and they, they seem. But they come across really well. Yeah. I, I know people always say why Wrexham. That mm. seems to be the most common question at the moment. But our I'll reply here is why not? Yeah. Uh, we, we feel we're a club that um, you know could be could go places. We're not talking about top championship, a uh, Premiership, that mm. type of thing. But you know we're a club here that can can be built on. Got a genuine support. I've uh, got a half decent stadium at the moment. Hopefully, we get the other rest mm. of it finished off before too long. Uh, and and then, if somebody could get us going, uh, and um, the place needs a bit of support. you know, mm-hmm. The support's there, mm-hmm. they just want to come mm-hmm. back and, and follow it. And uh, these two gentlemen um, are quite amazing, I, I have to admit. I, I... You've never seen the films, have you, Garen? <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I definitely haven't. Googling them. But, yeah. but I mean, they both seem um, mm. very you know, sports conscious mm. people. Uh, I don't know how much they know about uh, soccer... Um, but they, they, they're following us they are taking interest some of the little videos they've done on Twitter but the reach that they have mm. is far beyond anything I, ex- I could have expected you know, they did one on, when they took out well the vote went for them to take over and f- over 5 million views yeah. it, it's just uh, incredible hey, um, looking forward to being in a documentary Kevin <laughs> <laughs> that's just a little bit strange and we've done a few a few of them over the years but sure. then you know this, 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 this crew turned up mm. 3 or 4 Americans a few local people uh, and they're, they're getting themselves get known to the staff and they're getting ready to go on it Yeah, so when the, when the official takeover takes place um, then that, that's it that's yes. why sure I'll be involved too much I think I'll do my best not to do you know when it could be officially announced uh, it's, it's just a, a few technicalities I think now for the legal side of it nothing more than that we, they need approval as well from both the uh, National League and then the FA the, the ODT tests um, and I don't think they're far away on the eagle. So, but it, it's got, it's, it should be a few weeks, more than a few weeks.
1: I'll say, that be good.
4: I suppose one of the other things you can do is get that stand going, the cop, because well, there's nothing better <coughs> than a cop like that, it is. That's right. I know the terrace looks fantastic, doesn't it, from a distance? And when you get close mm. up, you realise it's crumbling. So, the plans are in place uh, with the Welsh Government mm. um, to, to build a new stand there. And at the back of here, we're right on top of the railway line, as you know. And there's also, they're going to put an interchange, travel interchange, with the bus depot coming out of town. Uh, to, to the same place. So it will be a big area and there'll be a conference centre going in. But it, it, to be fair, they're well on with it and mm. the Welsh Government are supporting it. E- even after everything's gone on in yeah. the last last year or so, um, it still seems to be a viable option. So I'm not saying it's going to be there next week or probably next yeah, summer, but within two years, I think they're hoping that it will, will start to rise from the ashes. Excellent.
1: And in terms of the season then, I mean, is it just a case of consolidating, seeing what they can do next year almost with with the money that's going to come in?
4: Yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see what, uh, what their expectations are. We have even stricter rules on what we can't take anybody on loan. Mm. Um, across a border, We can only, and there's nobody in Wales to take a loan from, at the, 40 at the moment. We can't do that. So it'll only Why be is that, it, sorry? It's, it's UEFA. Um, I, they won't allow um, short-term loans across a border. So technically, we're not a window club like mm-hmm. the rest of the conference, but unfortunately, the practicality is 99% of our players come from England mm. and therefore they won't, unless they're out of work, um, they, they, we can't get them across. So really, January, with their next next option if they're looking to bring a, a couple of new faces in mm. um, and then I'm sure there'll be a chief executive in place because then the two Americans won't be here very often no. even, even if we didn't have COVID so he'll be on the ground uh, and then to, to put in place what they want so that'll be interesting we, we but, don't know who it is yet yeah. or anything but heading but, <laughs> it's exciting times
1: all I can say Garen, is good luck with the first game that they're due to come to because I'm guessing your email box will be blowing up with requests
4: it, it's incredible we've been very fortunate that when you look out the window sometimes the ground and you see a Sky or BT satellite truck or BBC Wales yeah. <laughs> I looked out the other day ABC yeah. <laughs> CBS <laughs> and, and NBC and it, it, it's a different reach isn't it it's a completely different audience than the one we're used to um, but yeah it, it's uh, it's exciting for, for the whole area as well, and I hope it brings some uh, recognition and some and some positivity to what is a horrible situation for everybody, not just in the football.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, well, for you, like just for you as well, personally, because Wrexham have been, they kind of, they've probably not achieved what they wanted to achieve as a club over the last few years, and, and for you, it must be like going through all that hardship all the trouble you've had the club nearly going out of business for
4: something to happen like this you must have to pinch yourself uh, you do absolutely absolutely could, could this be the turning point yeah. and we all hope it really mm. is uh, and they seem nice people uh, and th- th- that's their, their ambitions as well uh, and the goal for the club and if they can leave a legacy like that, I mean, today we've we've, was, um, we've had, unfortunately we've had a, a minute silence for a, a former chairman that passed away, uh, and um, you know put a lot of time and effort with his family into the club. And now, can we? For a lot of people who've died, and all clubs are the same. Don't yeah, get me wrong. There's yeah, yeah, yeah. a bit different for that, um, but it would be nice that um, for legacy for a number of people passed away in, in recent times that we could, could. Like I said, nobody deserved. I mean, nobody um, is entitled to it. You have to earn it on the pitch. It doesn't matter whether you're playing a club that has 300 fans or one that has 30,000 fans. It's 11 against 11 on the pitch, and we haven't been good enough over the years. We've come close a couple of times, but we haven't been good enough to to get to the top. And and it's probably the most difficult league in football to get uh, out of, isn't it? Uh, And and the clubs that all go up seem to do reasonably well. So if you can get yourself a Bristol Rovers and and Tramia Rovers and all the rest of them that have gone back up again... Um, yes but we, we, i think we've served our time <laughs> brilliant cheers Garrett. best of luck
1: the eyes and the teeth are nearly being crossed now aren't they and uh very exciting stuff there it seems to be progressing it, every day doesn't it
2: yes it does i mean it, it you know we we've spoken about uh, what potentially all of this is going to mean for Wrexham. i mean in, it, perhaps the game yesterday wasn't sort of the the, the hollywood uh, the Hollywood scripted result that, that you would have gone for but it was a video weird.
1: yesterday I
2: was <laughs> <laughs> going to say probably only 6.5 you know, <laughs> on the uh, viewer ratings or something like that but no I mean I think that's the thing that uh, I'm sure they probably are well aware of that but you know you've, you've got to be able to do both things um, to win games of football, haven't you? you sometimes got to just sort of dig in and, and get what you can. And it sounds as if Wrexham did that yesterday. So yeah, it probably wouldn't have been fantastic viewing. I know Wrexham seem to be acquiring bring lots of fans from around the world and and certainly in in, uh, North America from the rate that their club shops suggest they've been shipping out shirts and I've seen um, various people turning up wearing them. Commander Chris Hadfield, the guy who was on on the International Space Station, has been spotted sporting one as well. So yeah, I mean, Wrexham are going to be um, the centre of attention and and they're going to have to learn to live with that, you know, and um, there is going to be um certain amount of expectation upon them and, and and people you know this might be some people's first foray into sort of of, of watching football um that you know some of these overseas fans attracted by the, the Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney factor um and and yes say so they're just going to have to sort of deal with that and and but that's a positive start yesterday yeah,
1: uh, I just realised I said straight to video as well. I mean, I've gone back to the beginning of the noughties there with that, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, living in the past a little bit there. Another team Straight were, to Netflix, we say now. I think. Straight to Netflix, yeah, straight to DVD. Uh, another team are living in the past, uh, uh, Chesterfield. And as you mentioned earlier, Dickie Day dispensed John Pemberton during the week and put um, John Dungworth in charge, a hero of Rob's. I'm sure we'll hear more about that. Uh, in the coming weeks but uh, they had an entertaining derby against Notts County in the end it was two-in and throw-in and it looked like Chesterfield were going to get the bragging rights two-one up in injury time and ended up losing.
2: <laughs> yeah and it, you almost have the feeling that Chesterfield fans with with the kind of things that they've been through lately would say well you know that's just typically us you know to to manage to pull a defeat from the jaws of victory. Um yeah, and, it, and it, it's tough for them. I know not you know, nots county aren't having the, the the best of times at the moment as well, and and that's a that's a, a really positive result for them. That big notts Derbyshire cross border derby between two sides who've previously been in the football league, you know, it's it's, it's not where either time, team want to be, um, and yeah, it, it, it is testing times at Chesterfield. You know, it can, we can sort of see why the decision to. Um, uh, dispense with the services of John Pemberton came about but that you've you've also got to think well mm. has that been done with a particular plan to to install somebody else or you know if they if they haven't yeah. got an idea who they want that's kind of indicative of a club that that is lacking direction whereas you know if you've if they've got somebody that they have got their eye on one would have thought that that they would have you know put him into position almost immediately but yeah turbulent times at uh, at Chesterfield
1: it's been interesting reading across the social media and forums at Chesterfield as well, because obviously they've been taken over, but they haven't got much much money at the minute. It's all in a transition phase, but I know it's in the only paper today. They've been linked with Paul Hurst, and they've also been linked with Graham Alexander. Uh, so big names there who probably would, and, and also Tim Flowers as well, who seems to be the favourite. And personally, out of the three, I think that would be more the shrewder choice because Tim Graham Alexander did it on a decent budget at Salford. Paul Hurst did well at Grimsby. That's a few years ago now. Uh, but Tim Flowers has been there recently as well, and maybe going into a club that hasn't got as much money, and with them having Tom Denton up front, he likes a direct style of football. It may well suit the way that Tim Flowers plays.
2: Yeah, and I've seen his name mentioned, and he certainly seemed to be one that was um, gaining favour with with Chesterfield fans that I saw. I saw the Cowley brothers' name get thrown in there as well. Though I yeah. think that's probably a little bit wishful thinking, to be perfectly honest. Um, I suppose you know maybe is a sign. Is it a sign of? the size of the club of Chesterfield that, you know, they, they feel that they should be linked with some of these bigger names mm-hmm. or, or is that a little bit of a pipe dream and, and Chesterfield fans, you know, maybe living in the past a little bit and, uh, and needing to sort of adjust their sights as to where they are now. It It's really difficult to know. It'll be, it'll be, you know, six or one, half a dozen the other in that case, mm-hmm. I would say, but, you know, they've been languishing towards the bottom of the national league for, a couple of seasons at least now, you know, and flattering to deceive and um, yeah, some stability is what they need. The, the, the ownership situation, as you say, is now kind of partially resolved, but there isn't a lot of money there, but you get the feeling they just could do with a, a season or two of just becoming a solid mid tables mm. side before they sort of like look to kick on, to be perfectly honest.
1: Yeah. And uh, it was interesting out of Virgo, was talking about it as well, and I saw a couple of other people even fancy. I think this is a, this, this appointment needs to be the right appointment. It needs to be the one because if you get this wrong, they'll be in the National League North, won't they?
2: They will, and 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 as much as nobody, you know, likes to think that they belong in a lower division, as we've seen with the likes of Stockport County and York City in recent years, you know, cl- clubs with with football league histories. You drop into National League North, and it's not an easy league to get out of. You know, there there are there are upwardly mobile teams in that league. In the, I mean, we didn't think AFC Fylde would be down in the National League North this season, but they are, and and you know they're clearly putting some investment in and 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 wanting to get back up. So you're competing against teams of that nature, and and yeah, and and I often, with how many times do we say that, that adjusting your expectations as to the type of league that you're in and the type of football that you can expect and the sort of environments you're going to be playing your football in is is half the battle to getting out of, you know, either the National League North or the National League. Once you drop into them, if you if you believe that you should be higher up, um, then that's great. But yeah, you, you've got to be realistic about where you are and, and, and set your targets accordingly.
1: And the other game in the National League, finishing a draw between Maidenhead and Bromley. And that doesn't tell the full story. Danilo Arty, friend of the podcast, he opened the scoring and uh, that was a fairly mundane goal compared to what followed. There was an absolute screamer from Sean Donnellan, uh, a volley from the edge of the area and Maidenhead looks as though they were in cruise control 2-0 up. But then Reese Hackett-Fairchild with an even better goal, uh, picking up from the edge of the area and hitting a dipping effort over the goalkeeper. And then last minute... You're looking for a point. You could hear Neil Smith on the highlights in the background saying, do it, do it, do it, shoot. And Chris Bush, well, he obliged 25 yards out. He hit an absolute sublime effort into the top corner. The goals just kept getting better and better, but you have to share the spoils. Yeah, another team we're in a battle. The final game we're going to look at is the I know Mark mentioned about. He thinks he'll get out of it, but they're in a, a massive struggle. Played nine, not won a single game in the league so far. Only five points rock bottom. Although one win will take them out of the relegation zone. They lost 3-1 at home to Hartley on Saturday. They were 3-0 down after 43 minutes for Scott Quigley scored right on half time. And interesting comments as well from Darren Saal, who said that um, some of the over players won't pull on the shirt again. And he said it's the first time he's ever had to play direct in his career and it still didn't work. A lot of fans want Sal gone, but Sal's saying some of the players will be gone. So it's an interesting impasse now there.
2: Yeah, it doesn't sound like a happy situation there. I mean, we, we spoke last season about the fact that both of the teams relegated from the Football League near Notts County and Yeovil um, were both in the playoffs, um, uh, which is, you know, not exactly unheard of. But, you know, they, they neither of them seemed to suffer a massive hangover from the fact that they, they'd they been relegated into the National League. Um but Yeovil, having got to the playoffs and then um, losing in them to Barn, it looks like they might be having their hangover now, rather unfortunately. And I know that, you know, coming close in the playoffs and then um, not getting there can can really knock teams back and, and, and whether that's what's happening at, at Yeovil at the moment, um, as I say, difficult times for Darren Sol, if if he's trying to, you know, the, the fans are trying to apportion blame onto him and, you know, he is the manager, so he's going to take a certain amount of that, but then he's trying to give out signals to the fans that, that some of the players aren't, you know, aren't doing it for him and that he's going to have to get rid of them. Um, you know whether that's designed to light a fire under the players he's got whether he can realistically bring in anybody else we really don't know but yeah they they, they need to start seeing an upturn in their fortune soon because you know the longer you're down there the, the harder it is to clamber out
1: you probably think you're pretty good at multitasking behind the wheel i mean you have to multitask to drive so what's wrong with checking your phone the thing is your brain simply For quick reply, affects your concentration, and makes you less able to react to hazards. If you use a mobile phone while driving, you're four times more likely to crash. Think. Put your phone away. So let's have a look now at the National League North. And in the National League North, it was another good day for Gloucester City. They stayed top after a hard-fought win at Guiseley, and uh but well, the issue for them now is um of course Quasi Asante's suspended and uh, Matt McClure went off with an injury after scoring on Saturday so that might be a little bit of a concern for James roll going forward
2: yeah you would think so I mean uh, I think we spoke last week um on the podcast about just how dangerous that that front trio that Gloucester have of um McClure, Asante and Mensa, and yeah, if they're gonna be missing two of those, then it, I guess it we start to find out, you know, about the about the depth that Gloucester have or are they just a, a one to eleven. Um it'll be interesting to see how they how they come through that. But yeah, a, a good result for them yesterday. I I know um certainly from my own conversations and looking at the league that they're they are the one team that is actually well for a start they're the one team that's actually playing consistently as in actually having matches to actually play and when those matches are, are happening you know they're, they're picking up points they're still undefeated I think it's seven wins from nine and two draws so yeah they're, they're, they're really setting um, a very high standard at the moment and yeah two one win at Geisley I and mean, Geisley pulled a goal back from the penalty spot with only a minute or so remaining so not not more of a consolation than anything else. Um and a and a quick one two early in the second half from from McClure and from Asante. Just just took it away from Geisley there by the sounds of things. And and they won't be the only team that, that goes the, the way of um a falling victim to that front line this season.
1: Yeah and of course they have Kevin Dawson sent off sort suspension mounting up there also. Uh, Filed they didn't play they had a we mentioned they had a surprising defeat at Curzon uh, Midweek, midweek, uh, They should have played York, but York have got COVID running through the camp, so that was called off. Yeah, it's seven points currently. Uh, we'll get on to Telford in a minute because they're joint third, along with Kidderminster. They've had a good week, haven't they? Um, two tough away games and they've got four points from it.
2: Yeah, they haven't. And, and we've spoken again about how um, how Russell Penn is, is putting his own mark down on this Kidderminster Harriers team and, and that the the one thing... If I was to say that, you know, what, what what would Chris what would Kidderminster Harrier's fans have had on their on their wish list for Russell Penter to, to bring to their team, it would have been some nous and some and some you know some streetwise players who who, who know how to get them results and, and there's signs that they they're getting that. Yeah. I think they, they might probably disappointed that they didn't come away with, with all three points yesterday. They they trailed early on at, at Farsley Celtic to a to a Tom Allen goal. But uh, yeah, then roared back with with two goals to take a two-one lead. Uh, Farsley should have levelled it before half time, but Jordan Richards struck a penalty against the post, and um, that was cleared. But yeah, th- then they they were able to um, get get the point that they probably feel they deserved in the second half when Loney, I think it's it, Carl Johnston, um, uh, got um, a leveler for them. And yeah, ultimately both teams satisfied with the point.
1: Yeah, and in fourth, as we mentioned, were Telford been just down the road at Bradford Park Avenue. And we mentioned at the start of the season, tickets, Telford were winning games at home, but not away. And now it's flipped, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, it has a little bit. And, and you know, if there's one, um, uh, Gavin Cowan uh, says that he wants his Telford team to be consistent. Well, at the moment, they are consistently inconsistent in the, you know, as uh, so I you started the season strongly at home. Um, but then uh, the first couple of away results weren't so good. And, you know, now that's turned. Now, whether that's to do with the opposition they're playing, I'm not entirely sure. Um, But yeah, a a fairly good 2-1 win yesterday away, bred for Park Avenue um, led through a Don McHale goal at half-time. He gave them a 2-0 lead just after the interval as well. But then they had Andy Bond sent off. Andy Bond just came into the club. Just about ten days ago, I think, um, having been at Matlock, um, only a second game for them, and, and, and two couple of offences. I don't think Gavin Cairn was especially thrilled with them. Just, you know, referred to them as indiscipline, and they were you know, perhaps yellow cards that you wouldn't think a player of experience would have taken, but he did. Were the, ele- then- were the elementary yellow cards, Dickie? <laughs> yeah you would you would think so wouldn't you but um no it was um uh, from that point onwards um lewis knight got a goal back for bradford and and then gavin Cowan did refer to it as, as something of a back to the wall performance from then on but um yeah with the 10 men they got on they 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 hung on for the for the win that ultimately they they probably deserved overall
1: yeah, not many draws from, from Telford so far in their in their 10 games. It's either win or lose at the minute, which I guess is, is a frustration for a manager, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I guess it must be. You know, I, I think that the, the thing that would perhaps... Um, it was Gavin Cowan's 100th game in charge yesterday and and when you look at his record over 100 games, it, it almost mirrors exactly how they've been for the first 10 games of the season in that, you know, it it's something like 40% wins, 35% losses and then the rest have been draws. And... and yeah, you get. he himself knows it. I think if Telford were going to uh, push and challenge that a little bit more, which clearly I hope that they will, it's turning some of those games where they, they end up losing. It's getting points from those games, even if it's just a single point. And, you know, just, just building unbeaten runs of four, five, six games is just something that, that that's proven beyond them. Um in, in the last couple of seasons. So we, we would certainly like to see that happen. They've got, they've got an almost, apart from goals scored, their record is almost identical to Southport, who, they, mm. who they're level with, in that they've both scored exactly as many goals as they've conceded. So they're both on zero goal differences. They've both won four, drawn two, lost four. Um so, yeah, I'm absolutely sure that Liam Watson are probably looking for exactly the same from, from his Southport side. But they um, had a heavy defeat yesterday away at Gateshead, losing 4-1. Um, Jed Garner, who's a, a, a new signing for Gateshead, he's coming on loan got a hat-trick, um, and so put them 3-0 up, and I think Alex Nicholson Ooh. added a fourth and a penalty spot. Jordan Archer got one back in the final minute for Southport, but it 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 really is... Um, I can use the elementary, my dear Watson quote again there. Um, yeah, it was all over by that point, and, and Southport, I think that's their... Um, uh, no, they won in midweek at Bradford Park Avenue. So yeah, they're beset by that same problem of inconsistency.
1: Yeah, and get, I think uh, Dead Garner as well is um, not far from Southport, so I think that made it even more. But that made it even worse <laughs> for them yesterday. The Fleetwood Loney, Curzon um, Ashton, funny season for them. Really good win against Falding midweek, as we mentioned, uh, but then came back down to earth. A second Saturday home defeat by three goals to nil. This time to Leamington. and Tom Feeney mentioned him in. Uh, in his midweek roundup, uh, never write off Leamington at your at your peril.
2: No, and and I would absolutely concur with Tom on that one. Leamington absolutely revel in being the underdog side, the the the, the team that, that that upset the the bigger boys in this division. Um, They'd had a long layoff before they played in midweek, and then of course had that sensational come from behind four three win against Alfreton, um, and and as you mentioned, Kers National had a terrific result in midweek as well um, against Foyle. So they were both gone into this game in 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 good spirits. I think um, Stephen Cunningham, the, the Kers National manager, said after the game, you know, obviously it was disappointing, but you know, it's there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. Um, and, that, yeah, they just couldn't replicate that win. But clearly, Leamington, you know, they, they managed to carry that on. A, a really fine 3-0 win yesterday. Two goals from Sam Osborne, I think, in the first 20 minutes, put them in control. And then Jack Lane added a third early in the second half. And, um, yeah, game over from that point.
1: Down at the bottom, then Kettering. Uh, I mean, they're still bottom. They were supposed to play Blythe. Again, match called off due to COVID reasons. Uh, down to the Blythe end. And uh, Geisley in the bottom. Timmy, we spoke about Geisler just then against Gloucester. Do you, do you fear for Geisley? I mean, they've only played five games so far. Uh, is it just a case of shaking off the rustiness, as Tom suggested?
2: I'm sure they would like to think so, absolutely. We'll only find out when, when they actually start playing games more regularly again. Um, I, I mean, just referring back to To Telford again. I did my post match interview with Gavin Cowan yesterday, and he said that uh, as much as he's well aware that they've played 10 games, which is quite a lot more than other teams, I think Boston and York have both only played four each. I thought he made a very valid point when he said when the teams that haven't played games so far start having to play and to catch them up you know, they're going to be playing a lot of games in quick succession. There's going to be a lot of Tuesday night, Saturday night, Tuesday. There's going to be a lot of Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday games. Particularly, we've got the FA Trophy is going to be thrown into the mix in the first week of December as well. So, um, uh, you know, just because a team haven't got points on the board and have got games in hand in this stage, I don't think we should necessarily assume that when they do start playing that the table's necessarily going to flip because we've. everybody knows that, you know, We try not to talk about COVID too much because this is a football podcast, but it is going to have an impact. And, you know, Guiseley are one of those teams that have been affected by that. They've only played five games so far. I wouldn't imagine that Marcus Bignett is is too worried at the moment. But as we said, when when talking about the National League and Yeovil at the bottom, you know, one of my favourite quotes in sports is... uh, um, uh, we're in a we're in a rut at the moment, and the only difference between a rut and the grave are the dimensions of it. And mm-hmm. you know, you could have you could have a number of teams that could be in that situation and say, "Oh, you know, we're just in a bit of a rut," but you know, that that can certainly become something uh, a lot bigger.
1: Yeah, the only two teams who haven't lost apart from Gloucester are York and Boston. The games that they have played. They've uh, they've been unbeaten and nose so far. Uh, Charlie, another team you saw on Tuesday night, we touched on briefly in the midweek podcast, but a good week for them because they've had two away games and they've got four points from it, similar to Kinnevinster.
2: Yeah, and I, and I think I do genuinely think Charlie are in a bit of a false position. I thought they played they played well at Telford the other night. The two teams pretty much almost cancelled one another eight. and then you know another uh, another trip to the same kind of neck of the woods heading south to, to hereford yesterday um and yeah i would think a two a two wall draw um w- would be a fairly satisfying result it's, it's not so great for, for hereford i would have to say you know clearly they they'd want to be collecting more than that on on home turf uh, just having a look here in terms of the scorers where are we yes so uh yeah jared hotchkiss put uh, hereford into the lead um lewis riley then put Chorley level at one each with just six minutes to go andy hall scored three minutes later and then it looks like truly going to run away you know a real smash and grab but then lanelle john lewis um grabbed an equalizer with just a minute left two all draws sounds like most of the entertainment was packed into the second half there um but yeah, I think surely he'll be happier with the happier with the point than than Herifin for that one. Although they'll certainly be disappointed that having, you know, the feeling that they were going to get three, they've only ended up with one.
1: Yeah, and the, the final two games, uh, Brackley and Chester. Brackley, of course, got a big game there on TV on BT Sport on Friday. This coming Friday evening, when he travelled to Tranmere, and he warmed up for that with a one-one draw against Chester.
2: Yeah, they did, um, and you know, ultimately, I, again, it's it's one of those where you look, and I don't imagine either side so would be completely thrilled with a point, but you know, you go away f- from town, go away from home to Brackley Town and get a point. For me, I think a lot of teams in this division would be fairly happy with that one. Chester led just a few minutes into the second half from a, a, an own goal from Jordan Cullen and um, but then Matt Low equalised for Brackley ten minutes later. And it finished one-one and honours even.
1: Yeah, Chester, of course, good point for them after that layoff. And uh, the final game uh, in the division was Alfreton against Darlington. And reading the report, it sounded like it was a, a pretty comfortable win for Darlington.
2: It seems that way, yeah. And, and Darlington, I know, um, they've rebounded from losing at home to Telford last week with with two consecutive wins. Um, away from home. Uh, they won 3 1 in midweek and then followed up with a 2 0 at Alfredton yesterday. I think it's a fourth goal in three games for Erico Souza, their Portuguese winger. You don't expect to see many Portuguese players popping up in, in County Durham, but um, yeah, he scored against Selford last week, a double in midweek, and another one yesterday. So He's probably making strong claims to be one of the the National League North players of the month for November. And then Adam Campbell, a man that that Darlington looked to, added a second in the second half, 2-0. And yeah, that, that, that would please Alan Armstrong, undoubtedly. Alfredton Town having looked like they were um, you know, a slightly tougher proposition. They've gone through a little bit of a, 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 a lean spell in the last two or three games. Um, I'm sure Billy Heath will want to put that right as soon as possible.
1: And joining us to look at the National League South is Tom Wang. Hi, Tom. Hi, Luke. Hi, guys. And in the National League South, it's who State, top a really good 2-0 win for them over Slough. And the man who got to two goals is a man that you know very well, Tom. He
5: is, yeah. Garnet International, no less. Mr Chris Goals never done Dixon. Um, again, you know, we've talked about it a few times now, haven't we? Uh, the clubs who are sort of making use of that step three and step four availability of players. Uh, and Chris Dixon's one of them. He had such a good start to the season with Hornchurch anyway. Um, I think he'd scored seven goals already for Hornchurch this season in the Isthmian League. And now he's come in. Um, Steve King's added into his squad. Now, I don't know the terms. I don't know if that's a dual registration, if he's on loan or if he's moved permanently. But come in, two goals on debut. Um, and it really emphasises the strength in that squad that Steve King's got at the moment. Look at the strikers that he had available to him yesterday. He started with um, Chris Dixon and Jack Barham. Now, that is goals guaranteed from those two. And then on the bench, he had Charlie Sheringham, who got the winner in midweek. He also had Elliot Romain, who scored so many goals last season. Uh, and he had Alfie Pavey, who they brought in on loan from Barnett as well. I mean, what what a ridiculous strike force for a National League South side. And it really shows just how much Dartford are backing their man to get him, get them promotion this season.
1: It's a very King signing as well, isn't it going to somewhere like Hornchurch and maybe getting him in on Joel Reg because he's not playing at step three.
5: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I, I hesitate to use the term wheeler dealer because I don't think that's fair to Steve King. I mean, uh, we know him well. He's, he's been on the podcast a few times. He, he knows and lives and breathes his football inside out. Um, he researches his players. He's got a great book of contacts. Um, but I don't th- I don't have him down as that sort of like a geezer, wheeler, dealer type that people maybe think he is. Um, I think he targets players very well. Um, he makes them feel very wanted. He's a, he's a good motivator as well. Um, and people do underestimate maybe uh, how, how well he does at developing players. Um, but you can see that in his track record of sending players up to the Football League as well.
1: Yeah, just behind them it is. Darking, it were involved in a, a really interesting game down at Concord. Darking won by three goals to one, but they ended up with nine men in the end. There was two red cards, one for West Fogden and the other for Alfie Rutherford. The West Fogden one's a bit disputed because he's gone. Through, he went to hospital with concussion. It was a really, a really strange, a strange incident. That and then also uh, Concord had Jason Rad straight, stretched it off after the attack from Rutherford and we held on in the end and uh, that's a fantastic win Mark White hailed the character of the players as well after that
5: Yeah absolutely and um, you know I think first off let's say uh, best wishes to Jason Brad and to, um, to West Bogdan as well uh, I hope they both injuries uh, particularly Jason Brad's uh, hopefully that's not as serious as first thought I saw on Twitter last night that he uh, was quite disappointed with the news he'd got post-match so Fingers crossed there uh, as, as positive news in the days to come for him. But, you know, positive news for Dorking in total. Uh, to grind out that win went down to 10 men, um, two for Jason Pryor. I think that's put him up to nine for the season now. There's only one person in the whole of the, uh, the non-league system who's scored more, more than him. That's Matty McClure at Gloucester City. Um, he's really uh, hit the ground running this season. Um, and Matty Briggs as well, I think, uh, take a minute to talk about him. He's been with them since the, uh, the step four days. He was with them in Isthmian, uh South Division One. Um, you know, he's a he's a really good player, very very high quality, great great little winger. Um, he's had football league clubs looking at him in the past, but he stayed with Dorking while he was finishing his his studies at the uh, University of Surrey. And he popped up with another goal for his second of the season, um, just to really make that secure in the 89th minute. We now see Dorking and Dartford. Uh, separated by just uh, three points at the top of the table. But crucially, Dorking have that two games in hand. Um, We talked about it in midweek. Is it too early to look at the table? Well, actually, Dartford have played 10 fixtures. This is exactly when we want to start looking at the table and and really starting to uh, have those conversations about who the runners and riders might be. And I don't think there's any surprise that the two at the top of the league are Dartford and Dorking at the moment.
1: The only thing with Darkin is now you say about the suspensions when you kick in. Obviously, Rutherford won't be playing. Fogden could be out if it's concussion anyway. Uh, even if he gets his red card overturned, he could be out for 10 days with his concussion. So you're looking at Jason Pryor and then they may be a bit thin on the ground for goals then, aren't they?
5: You, you, you might, you would think that. I mean, Dorking historically have played with a relatively slim squad. I mean, that's not to say they're not spending money on it. We all know that Mark White has the ability to spend when he wants to. But they do tend to have quite a tight-knit squad. However, yeah, Alfie Rutherford might be missing, but they've also got, um, you know, they have got goals sprinkled around that squad that's particularly coming from midfield. They've still got Nicky Wheeler. They've still got James McShane. They've still got Jimmy Mewitt. All three of those will get them goals across the campaign. Uh, you know, in terms of those replacements for, for Wes Fulton in midfield, um, there are names, you know, that, that jump off the page straight away. The likes of Luke Moore with all his pedigree from Wimbledon. Dan Gallagher as well that brings experience. They've got quality now, and I think that's probably the difference from maybe last season, is that they've got that added bit of depth. Um, Mark White brought in five players in the summer, of whom Fawcett and Rutherford are two. Um, but he's just—he's—he's he's get it's something we've seen him do so consistently for years. Jason Price spoke about it last week on the podcast. He's so good at just sprinkling that extra little bit of quality, that extra little bit of depth into his squad, season after season after season.
1: It was also a game. Between 3rd and 4th. Um, teams we didn't think we'd be saying we're 3rd and 4th at this stage of the season. Hungerford against St Albans it was a stalemate in the end but Ian Allenson said he was still happy that they are unbeaten and he kept the clean sheet. He, he said uh, they started off well but then he, um, the tackle started to fly and it disrupted him a little bit and uh, he praised Hungerford for, for the work rate as well so you can probably see why they're 3rd and 4th because they've started off the season well and they cancelled each other out. Yeah, definitely and and don't forget, these are the sides who were
5: 20th and 22nd when the season was uh, cessated in March. Um, so most observers would have been looking at this and thinking, "Yeah, they're, they're going to struggle to be uh, anywhere near the top half after maybe just under a quarter of the season being played. Um, however, St Albans and Hungerford, I've seen them both in the flesh now, they're both ve- very resolute sides. Um, and the fact that it was a stalemate, even, the, even when you look at maybe the goals that Ryan Seeger has scored, um, it's no surprise that they were able to uh, to keep each other to, to to a stalemate there. They also happen to have two of the best goalkeepers in the division, in my opinion. Uh, I saw Michael Johnson was man of the match in uh, the non-league paper. That's a really astute signing. He came in from Braintree in the summer. He's a, he's a really good goalkeeper. He made some fantastic saves when I saw him uh, against Hampton on the opening day. And Luke Kenny as well, who's obviously stepped up and pull. We've spoken about him before. Um, I think he's been in the team of the week about five times already this season. Um, so there's two two good defensive units there um, and both well-managed as well.
1: And Luke Kearney always retweets the podcast. So hello, Luke, and thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, um, Interest of fifth, sixth and seventh, none of them won on Saturday. Uh, Eastbourne and Maidstone both drew. Uh, Eastbourne at home to... Away, sorry. Eastbourne away at Oxford City warm-up next week for their FA Cup encounter uh, and Maidstone, they drew uh, at home to Billericay. Jake Robinson scored yet again for Billericay. And uh, absolutely, they lost at home 1-0. It was their first home defeat of the season. They surprisingly lost at home in a Kent derby to Tunbridge Angels. And I know Steve McKin felt that Tunbridge were lucky in that game, but they got the job done. So, yeah, um, none of them really taking advantage uh, of St. Albans and Hungerford drawing. No, they're, they're not, are they? And, um,
5: you know, I spoke about it on Tuesday. I think as, as well as Hungerford doing, I still do expect to see them maybe drift down the table a little bit. Um, I don't think they're going to get dragged into a relegation fight, but I, I do still think their position is slightly an outlier at the moment. However, as you say, the fact that the likes of Ebspeed, Maidstone, teams who you would think would be at the business of the season, that they're dropping points, um, that you would really you know, expect to see them be taking at home. Um, that's going to make things a little bit easier for the likes of Dorking and Dartford. Um, and you could potentially start to see them pull away over the coming weeks. Um, we've got to keep having in that conversation as well. Obviously, their game against Welling was postponed due to COVID-19. Haven't have still only played five games. They've actually got five games in hand on Dartford at the moment. Uh, and are currently 12 points behind. So they'll be right in the mix if they can take maximum points from those games. Now, Just a quick note on on Tunbridge uh, and also on on Jake Robinson of Biliriki. I think Tunbridge have have quietly had a very impressive start for the season. Um, They're up to three wins, 10 points from seven games. Um, Again, another team that struggled last year, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Although, again, they struggled and they were right down the bottom for so much of the season. But actually, when the season ended... They were up in 15th and they had games games in hand on everybody around them. So Steve McKim's model for National League South Football was really clearly starting to click into place through the spring. And we've seen that continue um, into the the autumn. I think I watched them in a a friendly against the Step step 5 side um, just before the season started. And I was worried for them. I didn't think they looked very good. I thought they looked quite disjointed. But clearly... McKim hadn't quite got his squad sorted yet. He didn't. He, he, he was still looking at a lot of players at that stage. Um, but they've just started to grind out the wins now. Um, when you look at the form tables, they've only lost one of their last four. They've picked up seven points in that time. That's a really good return of form for a club the size of Tunbridge in this division. And then the other thing I wanted to speak about was just Jake Robinson. Uh, I know we touched on this last week, but he's now up for seven for the campaign. Um, he's he's right in on the top scorers list. I think it's just... Um, He's joined with Ryan Seeger and behind Jason Pryor. Um, he's just so consistent. And he his penalty record, again, I think it was a penalty he got yesterday, uh, an 89th minute penalty, was it maybe? Um, no, 67th. Okay, scratch that then. <laughs> uh, yeah, 67th minute penalty. Um, but he is so consistent. And, and is there anyone, as a goalkeeper, that you would less like to see spot the ball uh, to step up against you in the National League South.
1: Yeah, Bill Ricky quietly climbing the table as well. Uh, just below the place is currently a Hampton Richmond-Burham and a good 1-0 win against Bath City. It sounded like a hard-fought yeah, game. I know Gary McCann said if, if you're able to keep it at nil, then you've always got a chance, which is a pretty obvious thing to say, but there we go. And uh, Jerry Gill at Bath said he was much more encouraged by his performance as well, especially in the second half. Yeah, and I... I have to
5: say, you know, obviously I, I try and take my Hampton hat off when we do these these little pieces, but I thought it was pretty even. It was one of those games where neither team would have complained if the other side had won. Mm. I think you, you could make a case for, for any of the three possible results in that match, um, but both goalkeepers made some fantastic saves at times, both Alan Julian and Ryan Clark, Again, two really, really consistent keepers at this level. Both got really... Uh, Storied careers um, in football league and and non-league systems. It was a physical game. I'd say Bath are a big side, um, particularly defensively. They made it very hard work uh, for Hampton in the offensive third. Now Bath have lost five of their opening six here, and and we spoke about it last week, didn't we? Uh, what's going on? What what's the reason for this? And it's difficult to say because I actually think that their, their results really belie. The quality of this team, they're a good side. You know, they haven't become rubbish over the summer. They've still got Tom Smith for the National League South Player season from last year. They've got quality up front. Um they've still got an incredibly tough defensive unit to beat, as emphasized by the fact that although they've lost five games, they've only actually conceded eight goals. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they're just not clicking in the final third yet, something that we've said about Hampton as well. Now I, I understand what I've seen in the Bath forums, there's some people calling for for Jerry Gill to be moved on. And I just I just think that's absurd. Yeah. Um the guy's record in the National League South for Bath City absolutely speaks for itself. Um the team he's got is a good team. I I think by the new year, we're not even going to be having this conversation. Mm. And I think Bath will be be much more comfortable in the league and in a position that we're much more used to seeing them in.
1: It just sometimes happens, doesn't it? You know, where maybe you just don't get the rubber to green or things just slightly go against you. Um, and people start questioning it, and then once it clicks, it, it really clicks, and then all of a sudden you're mid table, and we wonder what all the fuss was about.
5: Absolutely, you know, look at the game yesterday that was it was even, even, even. Uh, both teams could have nicked it, both teams could have lost it, and in the end, it was a you know, a dangled leg on Brian Go- Gondo, he went down penalty, and, and even then, Brian Clark very nearly saved it. It's when you and that's the difficulty, isn't it? When you're only scoring. I think at the moment they're averaging 0.66 goals per game. When that is the case, all it takes is one sliced clearance per match or one dropped cross per match, one mistake by one player in mm. a key position, and you lose the game. It's that rubber to green. It's the, you know, the ball spinning the wrong way out of bounce. Those margins are so fine, and that's why it's important to be able to get that offensive third clicking as soon as possible.
1: Yeah, but Hampton keeping it tight at the other end, and Tom caught up with Alan Julian, the Hampton and Richmond Borough goalkeeper earlier on I'm joined by Alan
5: Julian Hampton and Richmond Borough goalkeeper fresh off the back of a hard fought 1-0 win against Bath City uh, Jules Bath got the most clean sheets in the league for the last two seasons running uh, they picked up a lot of 1-0 wins and then the Beavers went and did that to them themselves yesterday how important was defensive resilience for the performance? Well
6: firstly um, I'm not surprised to be fair because I, I know Clark he, the goalkeeper and he's, he's one of the best do you know what I mean so um I'm not surprised, I didn't know that's that until you just told me it, but um, now you told me that, I'm not surprised with, with, with the goalkeeper that they've got, so um, firstly, like, you know, that's no surprise, secondly, yeah, I mean, uh, it was a good win yesterday, they, they came, they're a good side, to be honest, they've like, they're, they're, their last two years or, or whatever has proved that, they've always been up the top end of the table, and it was a hard game yesterday, so I think their league position is a little bit false, so I expect them to be much higher up the league come the end of the season, so um, it was a really pleasing win, you know, and uh, like I say, to get the clean sheet is always a nice little bonus for, for a goalkeeper, you know?
5: And for Hampton, obviously, that result in midweek against Hemel was really disappointing to lose 3-0. Um, how important was it for the team that you got back to winning ways straight away?
6: Very important. I think um, any sort of team that wants to be really successful, you don't want to lose back-to-back games. You know, um, we all, any team can, can have a bad day at the office. And, and, and that was the case Tuesday. Um I will give the boys a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. We had a gruelling four games in a very close... I think it was four games in nine days. And I think the Hemel game was maybe a step too far. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, it was a heavy pitch. You know. I'm, I'm being nice to the boys here, do you know what I mean? I think it was, it was a hard one for us. But, uh, listen, to, to come and, and get the win on Saturday and, and bounce back straight away and to get our first league win at home was, was really pleasing. Absolutely.
5: And... and- and once again, that result was built off a clean sheet. There's been seven of them in all competitions for Hampton, Richmond Borough this season. You've come in. Um, you're working with the likes of Charlie Dean, people you know before from your time at Billerickie. Is that experience and that continuity at the back really important to those you know solid performances?
6: Yeah, definitely. I think it's a mixture of a lot of things. Um, but having played, I must have played sort of seventy games with Dean Inman, forty games with Charlie Wassmer. I've played games with Luke Ruddock. I know Luke outside of football, um, you know. So there's relationships there from the word go, and they're only going to get stronger as we progress. Um, and as well, you know, they're good, very, very good defenders who played in front of you this season. is defended very, very well. Midfield and the forwards, we defend from the front. You know, a lot of credit goes always to the to the goalkeepers and the defenders when you get getting clean sheets, but. I'm the first to say, no, 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 you get a clean sheet as an 11, because if strikers and the midfielders don't do their job, it becomes impossible for us at the back, and I've played in teams that have, have been like that, you know, you're sort of very attacking-minded, and you get letting in goals because of that, and people look for the goalkeeper in the defence, but you're getting no protection here, we get a lot of protection, which, which is fantastic, um, so so yeah, the boys, uh, they know what they're doing, you know, and credit to them all, and and like I say, it helps to, to have a little bit of experience. And I've played a lot of football matches, so I sometimes notice things on the pitch and, and try and help. But yeah, we're defending well and I'm and we'll made it continue.
5: Absolutely. And, and speaking of it continuing, looking forward, it's uh, Billericay Town away for you next week. Now, you spent a good few seasons there. You had a very successful time at Billericay. Uh You're going to be coming up against your old old mate, Jake Robinson, who scored seven goals already this season. How are you feeling about that return to the new Lodge?
6: Yeah, looking forward to it. To be honest, like I say, we had a, we had a successful time there. It was a it was a, it was an exciting time there. Um, it's a shame the supporters can't be in, um, but it is what it is. We can't help that. But um, you know, I'm going to go back and see a few friendly faces. But to be honest, it sounds like an old cliche, but we've got a job to do. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not about me sort of going back and seeing friends or whatever. You know, it's it's about the game. It's about three points. Uh, when the final whistle goes, then then maybe I'll have a chat with one or two people. But his business as usual to be honest you know what I mean
1: and briefly as as you mentioned there Alan Julian going back to his old club Bill O'Rickey next week
5: yes and not just Alan Julian either it's going to be a, a bit bit of a reunion we'll have Charlie Wasmer going back we'll have Dean Inman going back um, Nathan Minhas was there last season as well for a short period so it will feel like a home from home for some of the Hampton players but uh, it'll be really I think that's going to be a really interesting clash it's, it's two sides who, who will be looking at the playoffs with intent this season uh, and both will be looking to put a marker down on some potential adversaries coming the business end of the
1: season. Dulwich, good draw. Battle battle down there towards the bottom. Hemel, hem said against Dulwich, that ended in a draw. Hemel continuing there. Nice little mini run, and we, we're worried about them a couple of weeks ago, Tom. They're up to 12th now with that draw, and they're only five points off the playoffs, unbelievably. Yeah,
5: yeah, they've had a nice little um, resurgence, haven't they? Um, that That little boost has coincided as we said before with that the uh the insertion of some new players um four points from a possible six now this week but didn't we just say um last weekend all we've got to do is get a win in the draw and all of a sudden things look so much more rosy and, and that's exactly the case for Hemel Hempstead. they're up to 11th in the form table over the last six games um and Dulwich will actually will probably be looking at what Hamill have just done and taking that for inspiration because Dulwich um, are yet to win a match this season. Four draws, three losses. Another side that's really having trouble scoring. So for them, it'll be a big Phillips that Danny Mills got his first goal of the season. Um, he was, I believe, their top scorer last season. Uh, and the fact that he's now up and running for this campaign is going to be music to uh, Gavin Rose's ears.
1: Yeah, and the final game, it uh, finished Cheltenham Hill, chipping him to a fairly comfortable victory. Chipping him in the end, Mike Cook was was Delighted with that. I saw his post match interview, and uh, yeah, he said it was a pretty satisfactory day at the office for them. But more problems for Chelmsford, third defeat at home now, uh, this season already for them.
5: Yeah, it's um, it's a diff- been a difficult month for Chelmsford, hasn't it? That's three home defeats on the trot for them. Um, and again, another side that's, that's not really firing uh, in the final third at the moment. Uh, they've got good players again, you know, the likes of Adam Morgan, he started the season. So quickly, but it's just seen goal seems to have dried up. Obviously, they lost Phil Phil Roberts to a suspension after his sending off against Hampton last weekend. Um, but really positive result for Chippenham, that um Chippenham to Chelmsford is probably one of the longest trips in this division this season. Um but, you know, making that in the grey drizzly November is another windy match out of the Melbourne Stadium. So uh, a really really good result for Chippenham. Um, another goal for Brad Ash, that's fourth of the season for him. And uh, nice to see that, that old Bath connection. Uh, they brought in a few
1: players from Bath this summer and it was one of them, Ross Stern, who, who got them the other goal. Yeah, and jumping them up to 10th so. with that result. And there's been a fallout recently between the National League and the non Paper over the, the money distribution to the various clubs. The non Paper wrote about it last week and the National League responded by writing a letter signed by six of the seven members of the board. And the Non-League Paper's editor-in-chief, David Emery, issued a riposte in this week's paper and I know Dickie you've got a few views on it
2: I think the situation with the National League and the whole row about the distribution of of, of funds at the moment is you know it's it's rather unsavoury I think there's there's an element of both sides washing their dirty linen in public a little bit which I know is never a particularly edifying spectacle but you know I'm sure the clubs would say well they they don't necessarily feel that they're being listened to if you don't feel you're being listened to then then that you know, it's not inevitable, but you know that's the route they've chosen to take. The National League this week chose to to fire back in the in the form of a fairly open letter, which I know w- was sent to the non-league paper, but 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 to to clubs as well, and sort of like defending their position on this. And uh, you know, it it's not it, as I say it's. it's I don't think either anybody comes out of it. It's a difficult situation but it's put it that way, you know. The, the clubs clearly feel that their their hand has been forced in this. I know there's a feeling that that it's the bigger clubs and that and that, it, that you know, I've seen f- f- fans of some of the maybe smaller clubs in the division say well they're bound to do that aren't they? They are the bigger clubs, you know. I think there's certainly some valid points that have been made. Um, you know, there was a distribution formula, which I understood had been agreed but with, with the DCMS before the the the, 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 the national lottery funding was, was agreed. And the argument and, and what's being put forward is that basically that's not been stuck to. Um, it's interesting because I think there's a further tranche of money, which has been announced this week as part of this winter sports survival fund. Yeah. So, 11 you know,
1: million is going to go to the national league clubs again
2: yeah so you know whether the, the it'll be a situation that they'll maybe seek to uh, i was going to say you know if they, if they try to correct some of of what what's happened in the first distribution of money with the second one then that would only raise the point of well why was that not formula not applied with the first one then so um uh, yeah it, it, i say it's not it's not a great situation nobody likes to to, to see um the clubs at, at loggerheads with, with with the national league over this, both sides seem to have fairly entrenched positions on this one. So I just got this feeling it's one of those, it's probably going to run and run.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting because some of the smaller clubs who run quite a tight ship anyway, suddenly have got all this money and they're like going out, maybe getting better players in and it's it, being accused of closing the gap. And I know Maidstone's co-owner, Terry Casey's written to the non-league paper, sort of defending the non-league paper and saying, well, at the minute we're 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 close to maybe going out of business. We're losing a lot of windfall because get a good crowds they didn't get a bigger slice of the money so like you say it's a messy situation isn't
2: it it is yeah and and i know that you know probably some people on the outside or fans of smaller clubs would they might fire back the argument that you know well that's Maidstone's fault for, for for budgeting for money that they perhaps weren't sure that they were going to have but you know i think the clubs themselves i mean i know that you know barely even a few days before the season was due to start and the FA Cup you know there was a, there was this whole question of whether National League North and National League South clubs were actually gonna take part in the second qualifying round of the FA Cup because th- this whole thing of well look if the funding if wasn't forthcoming as soon as their season started they were going to be on the hook for contracts and you know everybody was looking for some assurances that things were going to be all right and and th- you know they they obviously felt that they'd had those assurances in that, yes, the funding's on its way, you know. And then to have then been found that, that, that the funding isn't going to be distributed in quite the way that you thought it was, um, you can understand some of those teams feeling somewhat aggrieved, you know. And that the, the smaller clubs aren't necessarily making a, a big show of reveling in their good fortune, but when you see, you know, players being signed at this point of the season, um, it does kind of make you wonder if... It, if that distribution formula was correct.
1: My thanks to Mark, Tom and Dickie for helping me look through the three divisions in the National League and all the news and results. We'll be back next weekend, so take care, look after yourselves and don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. Until then, I'll see you all very soon.